On this episode of the Scott Radley Show podcast, Don Roberts and I are going to chat about the issue in sports, namely, how come hockey coaches have to wear a helmet just to stand on the ice while coaching a team, and eight-year-old figure skaters lifting their partner over their head doing spins and lifts don't wear helmets? Doesn't make any sense to us. Does it make sense to you? Well, stick around. Maybe you'll find out. Today on the Scott Radley Show on 900 CHML. I want to talk to the parents out there. Not just the parents. The parents, the grandparents, the aunts, the uncles, friends, anyone who's ever had a parent. Because this is a parenting issue unlike all others. This cuts to the core of what it means to be a parent and a kid in modern society. That's what we're going to talk about. It is that important. This issue cuts to the very essence of parenting. A father in Quebec is suing McDonald's and is launching a class action lawsuit. Why? Because he says that he has spent hundreds of dollars on Happy Meals because McDonald's is warping the brains of his children with advertising of their toys. And he wants not just the money back for the toys that he has spent. He wants money back for the meals that he bought. He wants money for punitive damages for whatever punitive damages have been done to him. This is an angry guy who argues that the popular children's meals contravene Quebec's computer uh, consumer protection law, which prohibits commercial advertising directed at children. And he says that his kids, when they would go into McDonald's, would see these toys on display and would want to have a Happy Meal. And therefore... His rights, their rights were being violated and he deserves recompense of serious dough. And so does everybody else, he argues. This is a class action lawsuit that has been certified now in Quebec. Everybody who's taken their kids to McDonald's deserves to be getting some cash back from the golden arches because of these toys that their kids have been subjected to. He wants this and... They want to have an end to the practice of toys in the Happy Meals. You can't have that stuff. Now, here's what I want to hear from you. I'm going to open the lines because I have a feeling some of you have been parents or had parents once upon a time. 905-645-3221, star 9900. I listened to this. Well, one thing. Let me just add one thing. Um, He says, and this is taken from the story, this is not a quote, but this is his paraphrase of his position on why this is a problem. Because the Happy Meal toys are typically part of the Happy Meal, his children insisted on going back. They insisted on going back. And therefore, he had to. How can you not take your kids back when they are of the age that would have Happy Meal toy would appeal to them. How could you possibly say no to those children? How could you possibly tell them, no, we are not going to McDonald's today. We're going somewhere else for dinner. Because we know, we all know that any parent whose child would say, I want to go to McDonald's, who would turn to that child and say, no, we're not going to McDonald's, is a child abuser, correct? I mean, what other 
conclusion could we come to? If you say no to your kid when they want a toy, what kind of parent are you? Really? What kind of parent would tell their child, you can't go day after day after day to McDonald's and get those toys that you want? Honestly, McDonald's should be ashamed that they have warped the brains of these young children, that they have prevented parents from taking a stand against their young children, that they have enforced and forced Happy Meals down the throats of young people in Quebec and across this land. Come on. I, this story, honestly, gets me about as fired up as almost any story that I have heard about or read about in a long, long, long time. That we have a parent, and I don't know if he's a good parent or a bad parent. Let's assume, I'm going to assume that he's a good parent generally. But that you have a parent suing a business because they appeal to your children and you are unable unable to not take your children to this place and therefore those hundreds of dollars that you have spent in this restaurant you should be paid back for along with punitive damages for the damage done to your kids whatever happened to the idea of actually telling your kid no occasionally daddy i want to run across the street wearing a blindfold um okay Oh, wait, you got hit by a car? Sue the car! Sue the driver! Sue the city! There was no stoplight there. There was no police officer to enforce that my child would not be hit by a car running blindfolded across the street. Like, come on! This story makes me crazy. I want to hear from you on this one. Is it me? Am I wrong? Or is this dad out of line and should have just said, I'm sorry. No, I don't care if they're giving out toys for the happy meal. Today, we're going to go eat some broccoli. Uh, McDonald's, by the way, has pointed out that in Quebec, all the happy meal advertising is done inside restaurants and in drive throughs So you basically have to be on McDonald's property, in McDonald's property, in the purchasing zone before you know anything about these things. So it's not like unicorns are flying above the store attracting children that that you couldn't see unless you were already going there. Rich joins me first today. Rich, how are you? Hey, great. How are you? I'm doing well, thank you. So do you you side with the dad here that the restaurant is way out of line, or do you look at dad and say, come on, man, have a backbone. Say no to your kids once in a while. Oh, it's just bad parenting. I mean, first of all, he can't say no to his kids. And secondly, what kind of example is he setting now by uh, trying to sue McDonald's? Well, I think he would be sending a message in my mind anyway that if something goes wrong, it's someone else's fault. And it's not even, and and is it even anything wrong? Like what I don't see here now, maybe both, it doesn't say, maybe both of his kids are now five years old and 600 pounds. So may, you know, but there's nothing that suggests that. It just says that he's just upset that they had to keep going back because they bugged him and bugged him and bugged him to keep going back. Well, and maybe it's just a cash grab, too. I think a few years ago, didn't some woman sue McDonald's for hot coffee spilling on her and the cup wasn't labeled as hot? Uh, yeah, now that's, that's a story. It's interesting you bring that one up because that's a very famous one where she had the coffee in her lap driving through the drive through and it scalded her. There were other points to that that some people say makes it a little less egregious, a crazy story. But 
Yeah, the ballpark is there. If you put a hot cup of coffee between your thighs and squeeze, hmm, who's at fault? It's an interesting argument to make. But yeah, Rich, I appreciate your call. Thanks for that. Let me go to um, let me go to Josh here. Josh, how are you tonight? Not bad. How are you, Scott? I'm doing great. Thanks. Where do you side on this one? Uh, I think it's absolutely insane. Why? Which way? Um, That he he would want to go after McDonald's because. What are you going to do when you go into, like, uh, any kind of store that sells toys? You're going to do what they do with cigarettes and have to put covers over them so the kids can't see them <laughs> so they don't want them? You've got to be 19 to buy a toy. You know what I mean? Like, this doesn't make sense to me. And, like, I do a lot of road trips with my kids every other weekend, and it is nice to have something in the car for them that they can be distracted because it's a long drive. Like, I do a three-hour drive each way with them, and it's not easy sometimes. But, but that makes a big difference. But so. Josh, let me ask you a question. Let's say, for example, that Dad went into any other store, and you, you bring up a good point with the with the toys. But what if you go into any other store and the kid says, "I want that"? Is that oh, store yeah. at fault for advertising that product or putting it at kids' eye level? Absolutely not. That's parents' responsibility to t- to teach your kids yes and no. There's things you can have and things you can't have, and there's a time and place for it. Uh, look, I, I'm I'm with you, Josh. Thanks for the call. I appreciate that. I, I I can't believe, quite honestly, that a court gave the okay for this. And I suppose that you know Quebec has these very stringent laws about advertising to kids. But all the advertising that was done in this case is inside the building. You've already gone inside. So now. A store, a restaurant, any place can't, as Josh just said, can't make their product visible to a child if you th- if that child might find that appealing. That's ridiculous. This is this is to me a perfect example, a perfect example of not millennials. I'm not throwing the M word out there. This is not all millennials. There are great parents. In fact, most parents, I would argue, who are millennials are great parents. But this is the example of the one who has decided to take the stereotype of the idiot millennial, the stereotype of the idiot millennial to the nth degree and say, yeah, I, I simply was not able to say no to my child. My child, how, what kind of parent would I be if I were to say no to my kid ever about anything? I must give them everything they want or else I'm not a good parent. This... Th- This one has me, as I said before, as fired up as almost any story because it is the absolute picture of what is wrong with parenting when you let your kids have every single thing they want. And I don't know. In fact, I do know. I do know that's not healthy. Blaming the restaurant because your kids wanted Happy Meals? All right. You're listening to the Scott Radley Show podcast on 900 CHML. Let me bring in Don Robertson, who is the owner and operator of the Dundas Real McCoys. He is the guy behind Calm Choice Realty in Dundas. Uh, he is, um, what else is he? He's a man without a home right now with Great Meyer Arena still under construction and appearing never to be finished. The Dundas Real McCoys will be playing at the Great Meyer Arena, we are confident, by the 2029 season. 
Not likely. At which point it may need to have a refreshment done to it. It may need a a fix up at that point, a little maintenance work. The part they're not fixing now will be wore out. (laughs) That's right. Time to do it a little. Oh, sorry, we can't open it yet. Uh, Thanks for coming in. Crappy weather today. Thanks for making the trip. Brutal. Uh, I was going to ask, I wasn't going to bring this up. And then just at the break, I saw something on TV and I thought I should ask you this. On the weekend, the head coach of the Calgary Flames got just drilled by a shot that left the ice and hit him on the bench. He wasn't looking, caught him right in the jaw, busted him open and just, I guess, just flattened him. You've been on the bench for a lot of games. You've coached a lot of games. You ever been drilled by a puck? Yeah, I got hit in Brantford about uh, eight years ago. The blasts were killing a penalty and the guy turned and fired it. I thought I saw it coming. I got it right off the back of the melon. It just grazed me and I said, don't worry about it. And there was about two minutes to go in the period, and I took my sports jacket off, and I guess my back of my sh- white shirt was soaked in blood. And oh, said, you, got, you got busted open. Oh, yeah. And the trainer said, well, I can fix that. I said, no, it's fine. He said, yeah, it looks fine. <laughs> but I get hit in the head, so. That's like for you, that's the hardest part. It's the biggest part. Well, I thought the puck might have been broken. No, it wasn't. Uh, it, <laughs> it did go off the glass. <laughs> it wasn't any fun, and then I no. thought I'd be all right, and they put some of that. They they have what they call liquid glue now. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. Like uh, liquid stitches. So we put some of that in there, and then the next day it was still bleeding. And I went to a walk-in <laughs> clinic, and the guy said, "You're late." And I said, "All right." So I went home. So nothing fell out. I don't think. <laughs> <laughs> well, nothing I, useful apparently. I'm perfectly normal. I think. I, I remember a few years ago when <laughs> Pat Quinn. I think he was still coaching the Leafs, and he took one off the off the eye, didn't he? Off the yeah. eyebrow or something. Well, it's, the bench is almost <coughs> the worst place in the building to watch a game from, because if you happen to be talking to somebody, I mean, I can see it happening. I mean, they, the pucks fly into our, and the players are not a whole lot of help because they're bailing out too, or they reach up and. I almost got wiped out the next game, too. The One came into the bench, and I think it was Ryan Christie or somebody put their hand up so it didn't hit them, went off their glove, went over top of my head, and I'm going, this is just turning into a lot of fun back here. I, I am amazed, quite honestly, that more guys don't get hit with them. I really am, especially especially in modern hockey with the speed of the way the puck is moving around and how it ricochets. And uh, I am, you know, back in the old, old days when you had the s- s- straight sticks and the wood sticks, the puck was never, it rarely left the ice even. Bobby, I mean, it, Bobby Hull and Stan McKinney changed all they, that. They changed that, and now with the composite sticks and everything else, I'm really surprised, honestly, that more pucks don't go flying into the bench and drift guys. I was going to go out the next game with a helmet and visor on, but I didn't. Like the organ player in Slapshot. <laughs> <laughs> he one off the bean, too. Um, yeah, I, I've probably only, I can only remember seeing it happen two or three times, which shocks me. It really does. It shocks me that there's not more, and not even just the coaches. I'm surprised there are not more players who are sitting right against the edge of the bench who don't take one right in the mush when they're not really watching or they're getting a drink or whatever else. Yeah, it's uh, because you're in the action. I mean, it's not like you're removed. You're, you're not up in the palatial press box watching the game. You're, but like it's one it's, thing if it's fired it's from, two feet from you. Yeah, right? but if it's one thing if it's fired from the other side of the rink and you have time to see it coming. But if the puck is, if there's a, a stiff pass to center ice and a guy gets a stick and it's on a bit of an angle, you could easily see it just ricochet up and just be well, enough to go over the boards. That's where they come in to the bench, right? Somebody, the defenseman making a pass to a winger, then a forward comes in and their stick's always on an angle. They're just trying to intercept the pass or make it the pass unacceptable. And off the stick it goes, you know, sometimes it goes in the glass, sometimes it comes into the bench. And it's, you got to pay attention. 
I would suggest that's a, probably a, a good, wise word. Paying attention. Paying yeah. attention, and, and it's not my strong point. Well, and the thing is, if you're if you're in minor hockey where the kids have full cages on their face, I'm not really sure there's a whole lot of damage that can be done to you. Yeah, but the coaches don't. The coach though, the coaches, and I mean, I'm I'm I'm. I'm loath to say this because I would hate for someone to actually hear this and follow it up, but I'm surprised they have not made coaches wear helmets on the bench at this point. Just because we've got Zamboni drivers now wearing helmets. Well, coaches have and I've still said that, that you have to be a bad Zamboni driver to hit your head on the ice. It's, it's pretty, pretty hard. So do you know why they do it? Well, first of all, it's risk and liability. Oh, well, of course. And it's municipalities. Uh, of course. Put it in. But you know why they did it? Because I asked. When, I, when they first started doing it at Great Myron, so uh, one of the guys that used to work with us uh, was also working for the, uh, the city, and I said, so what's the rationale behind this? He said, when you're going along the boards, I guess there was a report in eastern Ontario, a guy almost knocked himself out, so it, apparently it can happen. That's what, that's what creates these things, right? Yeah, some, I know. An incident has to happen. So he's going along the boards looking to make sure he's close enough to the boards and Boom. stanchion, but holding Don, the glass up. I've, when was the Zamboni invented? Keep talking. I'm going to look this one up. Probably, uh, they weren't around when I was a kid, so probably 40 years ago. All right. So the Zamboni. Had, I mean, in Linden, we had a tractor with a great big uh, rigmarole and a tank. And developed a, in 1949. So we're coming up on 70, 80 years. Yep. Coming, right? Is that my math right? 60, 70, 50, 79, no, whatever. 70. 70 years. Coming up on 70 years. <coughs> Excuse me. And we have maybe, we know of one, but let's say there have been 10 injuries, 10 Zamboni related injuries. Is that really worth making every other guy who drives a Zamboni look like a complete dork driving around with a helmet on? Uh, See, the guys that make the rules don't care about, uh, they don't have uh, a dork meter. No, and I don't even, I don't even care about the looks per se, although it really does look stupid. It, I mean, <laughs> it really does. You're driving a vehicle that's moving about six kilometers an hour at its flat out speed. The rest of the time, it's barely moving. You're not dry, you're not exactly in the Indy 500 on these things. And, and now they, a lot of them have seat belts. Some of them have seat belts now to keep you from falling off. So you've got a helmet and a seat belt. This is, this is the spasmobile now that you are, they are expecting that you are such an uncoordinated. My point is, Don, if you, if they think you are that uncoordinated, why are they giving you the keys to a vehicle like that in the first place? Presumably because you can't run the broom. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, but that, that, that's... That's how things work. Let's, this guy can't do his job. Why don't we promote him? But how come the people who are driving the Zamboni have to wear a helmet, but half the time when they have people, either ice girls or ice guys who drive along the shovel, shovel along the edge of the boards during commercial breaks don't usually have to wear helmets? You're pretty good at questions. You know that those blondes that are pushing the uh, shovels around at the Chicago Stadium or whatever they call it now, don't look quite as the way the image is supposed to be with a helmet on. Well, the, I, the blonde flowing hair is far more attractive. I've asked this forever. When I was coaching my kids hockey and I was at the beginning stages, I think of this 10, 12, 14 years ago, that when I was coaching, 
even if I stepped onto the ice, I had to have a helmet on. And so I could be standing, leaning against the boards, doing nothing. If I have skates on, I have to have a helmet on. Okay. And then I go and I watch kids who are nine and 10 years old, figure skating, pairs, figure skating, doing jumps and twirls and lifting another eight-year-old girl over a head. And they're not wearing helmets. And I'm like, wait a second. How come they think that me as a coach am going to fall and smash my head on the ice, but a 10-year-old boy lifting an 8-year-old girl overhead while doing spins is somehow safe? So I think that having minor hockey coaches wear a helmet makes some sense. I don't mind. Because they're... The kids are liable to get around. in their way. Sure, and you're, you step on a puck, whatever. Yeah. Okay, I'm or, okay with or that. You, or you escape, you're skating backwards and giving some instruction to some kids not paying attention. And I don't gonna, mind You're going to go down. I don't mind So that, that makes some sense. Yep. What makes no sense, no sense, and, and the people that are in the governing body for figure skating should be ashamed of themselves because you're absolutely right. In hockey, we don't pick people up and carry them around over our shoulders and try and spin at the same time. And jump. Tell me how that makes any sense. Well, the argument is that they give is that if you were to wear a helmet, it would throw off your equilibrium and you would fall down more. Well, I think you can probably make a very good case that a hockey player feels like he could skate better without a helmet if he really wanted to, that he would be more comfortable and able to somehow do whatever. If he didn't have a helmet, it'd be cooler. I don't mean visually cooler. I mean temperature would cool. be cooler. No, I'm not talking about the co- looking cool, oh, although Gilafleur, it would not be as hot on your head. You wouldn't have to sweat as much. Now, it would be highly dangerous. It'd be highly dangerous so for hockey like, players. So they don't let hockey players So they say, you know, you have to wear a helmet. So does that make Hockey Canada smarter than Skate Canada? I would say that it, it's not just Skate Canada. Hockey Canada is only one of the bodies. All I don't think, I don't think there's a hockey association in, on the planet right now that you don't have to wear a helmet to play. It's not about Canada. And with figure skating, I don't think there's a figure skating association on the planet that requires a helmet. Maybe I'm wrong. I'd like to know if there is one, but no, I've, I've, I've not ever understood. And if you want to say to me that by the time you reach national levels or Olympic level, international level that you have the option as a figure skater to remove your helmet. All right. I mean, look, we can, if you're among the elitist of the elite, and again, I don't mean elitist, I mean the top of the elite and that's your choice. Okay. Although we have seen pairs, figure skaters drop their partner on their face on the ice. We've seen people have horrendous injuries on the ice, but if you want to do it, okay. But we still don't say in the NHL, you now have to wear a visor and a helmet. Then anyway, I just don't understand. I don't understand it. wasn't going to go down this road, but I've, I've never understood oh. how the figure skating community has been able to say and dodge bullets for, you mentioned Zamboni drivers with liability. And I understand it. If you bang your head now on a public arena because you're driving this thing and that person decides he's going to sue the city. Well, the city says, well, then fine. We're going to prevent that from happening. It's stupid. It's, it's incredibly unlikely to happen. You are the dork if you do that. You're the idiot if you bang your head while driving a Zamboni. You really are. But nonetheless, I get the liability part. But how this figure skating community has dodged the liability issue is beyond me. In public rinks. Yeah. I don't get it. 
Um, all right. Well, so you have been hit with a puck. Check, check that one off the list. Cool. Never anywhere delicate. I mean, the back of your head is unfortunate, but I'm much more concerned about the people who would say I was caught one down lower than that. But well, we, someday they'll have to make coaches wear cups too. That, <laughs> By the way, you know that that actually is. My childbearing years are behind me now, I think. You had childbearing years? Well, <laughs> I had practice years. <laughs> I wasn't um, childbearing. One thing that is interesting is that you can play in the NHL without a cup if you really want to. Yeah. And you know they started wearing cups long after helmets, right? Or no, helmets right, long right after cups. I had that yeah. backwards. No, we, we know what what part you don't want injured. That's the guys aren't stupid. <laughs> you know, you, they don't you, care if they walk around and they can't remember who they are. You'll have a guy go in and block a shot without a mask on, without a face, like with a bare face. He doesn't mind. He'll slide in and stick his bare face in the way of a slap shot. He's not getting in the way with his delicates. I had a guy that uh, won an Allen Cup with us and played up to last year. This year he's uh, he's gone on to refereeing and he played played without a jock. Really? And last year in the playoffs got one right in the cojones. Blocked more shots than anybody on our team. How? Well. How did he? Well, we were in Stony Creek and he was laying outside the bench area. <laughs> Re, uh, reconsidering his decision not to. They're going to say reconstructing. Yeah. I looked at, I looked at Brittany, our trainer. I said, how is he? She went, well, I'm not good yet. <laughs> <laughs> he was he was pressing at his lower rib cage yeah, area. Hoping trying to relocate everything yeah. and pop it back where it belonged. <laughs> he finished the game. Well, he's um, uh, his toughness is only outdone by his stupidity. It was an interesting conversation. Well, it was, it was an ongoing conversation, right? Like it's, yeah, yeah I don't like it. <laughs> I know some of you are not going to like a lot less. <laughs> That's right. Never missed a game. Well, <clears throat> there you go. But no, I, I, I have written about this before. I've talked to people about this before, about the figure skating thing. There are figure, there are a lot of people in the figure skating community who believe that they should be wearing helmets. And Don, again, if we're talking about people who are at the highest, let me back up for a second, because we have had, we have heard, you and I haven't had this discussion, but I've heard this many times before when they talk about body checking in hockey. People saying, if you want to introduce body checking in hockey, you do it for AAA hockey and f- starting at midget or something. So these are minor midgets. So you're, you're, you're really only introducing it to the kids who might actually go on to some higher level of play. You don't need to do it to double A Adam players. And agree or disagree, there is at least a modicum of sense to that argument, whether you fully buy it or not. You can say, okay, if I'm, if I'm about to move up to a professional level or a collegiate level or something else where this is going to be real, real hockey, then okay. But the rest of us don't need to know. You can play house league and never have had a body check, whatever. How then can you not apply the same thinking to figure skating? If you are going to go to that national level, fine, take off your helmet if you want to for better balance or whatever else, for better aesthetics, better appearance. But for all the rest of you who are just doing skating fairs and... We're doing it for the, for the enjoyment. For the it. enjoyment. Using it as a recreational sport, right? That's what we're talking about here. Like, there are an awful lot of figure skaters in Canada right now that are not going to be Canadian champions. 99.972%. So even if they don't want to put a full hockey helmet and a visor on figure skaters, even if 
they object to that. The type of helmet that I wore as as a kid um, that was chipped out of stone, I think, but it was all it was was a piece of plastic with the front and the back on it, and it just prevented you from the getting Billy cut. Harris model, that kind of thing. Right? Yep. There was the old ones, the Butch Goring. Uh, I played with a guy who uh, who isn't with us any longer. Uh, he wore he had the one that just had a pad in the front and a pad in the back, and they were pretty simple kind of setups. But you would think that the uh, they wouldn't prevent a concussion, but they would take a bit of a blow, and they would prevent you from getting cut open. If you slipped, at, look if you're if you're doing a lift and someone drops you from five feet up in the air onto your head, it, it's going to hurt. Even if you've got a helmet on, it's probably still going to hurt. I fall down all the time. It hurts. But if you at least have some kind of protection so you don't bust your head open, if you just slip and fall backwards. That's what I'm saying. Even if it's the minimal type of protection. uh, Because most falls in skating are what? You fall, you hit your bum on the ice, whatever, and then your head falls and smacks backward as the secondary, right? It doesn't take the blunt. That's right. If it's the first point of impact because you've dropped someone during a lift, there's there's no helmet. There's a better chance in figure skating that the blunt will be on your head, I would say, tenfold versus hockey. I don't quite understand it, but it, it is a... You should get somebody on. Well, we've no, I've talked to people before about this in the skating community, and they they argue to the end to the end that if you put helmets on, it makes it more dangerous because it affects their equilibrium and spinning and balance and throws off their balance. I think that's a load of crap. I think you get used <clears> to it. I, uh, look, I, I, I agree a hundred percent because players said I can't play with a visor. All right. Well, then, they all play with a visor now. Then, then what you have to do is you have to wear a helmet till you get to, as you say, the elite level. Well, Don, w- there are in minor hockey, and again, it's, it's, maybe it's not the only example, go use football, whatever else you want to use. But there are, there is equipment that you must wear up to a certain level. Kids grow up wearing a neck guard. Now, when you're at your level or in the OHA or OHL, pardon me, or the NHL, you don't have to wear a neck guard anymore, but that's a choice. You've taken something off. You're not actually requiring them to put it on, but if you, you've grown up playing with that and you got to that level wearing that equipment, you have been accustomed to it. I don't see any reason why when you start a kid in figure skating that they couldn't be wearing a helmet and they would grow used to it. You're not adding something later that's going to make it more difficult. Maybe tell the people in figure skating that it'll, it'll, it will counterbalance the weight of the skates. It'll come along and they'll get used to it. You know what's going to have to happen? And I, I, I hate this. And it's the same with most things. And you talked about it. It's the exact same thing that you talked about with the Zamboni. The one guy who hit his head on the stanchion. Yep. You, you're going to have, and it's a tra- it'll be a tragedy and we don't want it. But the one figure skater who gets dropped on her head and dies, maybe then, unfortunately that may be what it takes, but maybe then they'll say, well. Hockey games for decades, people would say, somebody in the end of the rink is going to get nailed with a puck and get killed. Lots of people got hit, injured, and then when that little girl in Columbus died, within 60 days, every National Hockey League building had nets up. Because when you take kids to the game, they're maybe not as intently watching it as the adults. or for wh- And it could be an adult. For whatever the reason, you get one off the bean, and tragically, that little girl passed away. And as a result, now, Harry Halloween is completely netted mm-hmm. all the way around. Let me tell you what one a challenge other. when we have our teddy bear toss. Yeah, no kidding. For CHML, December 19th. 
let me tell you one other one, and then we got to go to break. And that is, we were in early in this discussion. We're talking about how if you are a coach in minor hockey, uh, you have to have a helmet on. And you pointed out, and it was a very good point. That's because not that you're likely just to fall on the ice, but you could step on a puck. A kid could be behind you. You could be backing up and flip over and whatever else. Figure skating coaches are on the ice. Now they're not going to have a puck to step on, but they could also have a kid skate behind them and bump into them or whatever else. They don't have to wear a helmet. Well, there's only four or five of them on the ice. No, sometimes, sometimes. But the, the reality is that the other way that this could end up happening is if municipal rinks started to say, you're not coming on the ice unless you're wearing a helmet. Well, then what are you going to do? Is everyone going out to the harbor? I'd love to. If, I'd if, like to watch that in the summertime. In the summer, it'd be a little harder in the summertime. Of course, yeah. well, when they land, it wouldn't hurt. Underwater as much. sow cows. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll take a break. You're listening to the Scott Radley Show podcast on 900 CHML. We we're just talking about helmets and stuff like that, and all kinds of things that that introducing hitting into AAA or in minor midget level is a bad idea. That, I agree with that point, actually. We were using as using it as an example. It's a discussion for, we need three hours someday to do the body checking and hockey discussion. I, I'm also of the opinion that the, if you're going to introduce body checking, Don, that you do it when they're very, very young, when they're close to the ice, they're not moving fast, they're all roughly the same size. There's not gallons of testosterone coursing through their veins. But that, we won't get into it all that. That's, that's a discussion we can have someday. And, um, but just to the, to the caller who let us know that point, I, I actually agree with you. So, uh, did you watch, we talked about this last week, I think ahead of time. Did you watch any of the tiger and Phil thing? No. I, I was, was not, going to, but I got tied up Friday and I wasn't going to pay. I think it was 23 bucks. Well, it was for a while. And then they say they had a glitch in the computer thing. And so they had to put it up for free on bleacherreport.com. So you could have, so people were watching it for free. I'm, forgive my cynicism, forgive my conspiratorial side. I think they didn't get many buys and thought we got to make this visible. So at least it gets talked about. Oh, That's was, my conspiracy. It theory. was going to get talked about. I know why I couldn't. I have a satellite dish and not a home phone. So I guess I can't buy paper pay-per-view TV. I can buy movies, but I can't, uh, they, they didn't get their dough. I was going to actually, I guess I was going to pay for it. I was going to watch a bit of it before we, uh, we had a road game in Hamilton. So we're just going to watch some of it. I had not thought of this next point until Bill Kelly actually brought it up. And I thought it was a terrific point that had completely eluded me. And I wish it hadn't, I wish it was my idea, but he said, what was the difference between this and the old skins games? And other than the, 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 this was a straight on match, golf match. It wasn't hole by hole. It was a, but we did the skins games once upon a time and this thing, and I've heard, by the way, I've heard two different sides. I've heard people say it was a lot of fun to watch this. And I've heard people say it was the stupidest thing they've ever seen. This was supposed to be a peek behind the curtain of what guys talk about when they're playing and needling each other and razzing each other. In their practice rounds, not when they're playing, walking down. For nine million bucks. Yeah, not when they're playing for the Masters. And but apparently. But practice round, sure. Apparently, and I didn't watch it, I uh, didn't want to pay for it, and I didn't know until after that it had been put up for free on Bleacher Report. Um, 
apparently there were a lot of times that Tiger and Phil weren't even walking down the fairway together. They were just playing a round of golf. And my thing is, well, who in the world would have paid? If you had known that going in, who would have paid for that? Because you can watch that every weekend. You know, these guys are golfers, and they're both very media savvy. Um, but it doesn't make them entertainers. Their entertainment that they provide to the mass, the masses is their ability to do something that you and I can't do, and that's strike a golf ball and assumably put it almost where they want to every time. That doesn't mean that they can entertain you for three hours. Have you ever seen the TV show The Big Break? No. So it's a golf. Well, you, you remember in the old days, and some people will remember this. Other people may not. They'll have to think of the more modern version of the All-Star Game. Remember the show Showdown on, yes. on Hockey yep. Night in Canada? And it was a skills competition. And you would have to skate the really obstacle course. And you would it's have like the, what they do at the All-Star Game now. They would ha- they, yeah, they would have the breakaways on the goalies and all this kind of stuff. Well, the big break was golf's version of that. So they would, you would set up a ball and they would have a green marked with circles for points, like a target. Yep. And you would have, the, the, the most popular one was they would have these things set up at 60 yards, something. It was a, a stand with a glass window in it. You would have to try and drive the golf ball through the window and smash the window and stuff like this. Like it was, it, there was long drives and there was, it was all the skill stuff, putting and chipping. And that to me would have been something that I would have been very much more interested because if you're not actually playing, if it's just trick shots and who can hit the target and who can get out of the bunker and up closer to the hole and you get points for each one, that I would have actually watched. That would have been way more entertaining to me. They had something on the week before, in a half hour show, preview, info commercial, whatever. They talked to Phil, they talked to Tiger, obviously. And uh, Tiger's um, on the... On the driving range, talking to reporters, bouncing a ball off his club. Now, I can do that once. But he was standing there, talking, talking, talking. He says, all right. And then he just pops it up in the air, and then one hand drills it. Now, that's the kind of stuff that I find very fascinating. It's the same as when you see, I don't go to NHL practices, but I, I see our guys that have played at a real high level. Some of the things that they do at practice um, are amazing. I mean, they're, they're showstoppers. And I can just imagine what Gretzky and the elite guys could do at practice that they didn't do during games because it was a little hot dog, little little mustard on it, right? And they didn't. It, I'll tell you, they do a little bit of that in the All-Star game, and it's a lot of fun to watch. So, you know, that type of thing, you're right, would probably elevate the entertainment level um, exponentially. Yeah, well, like And it would have been different. A game of horse in golf terms. Yeah, like just watching those guys drill it down the middle is not all that fascinating, right? And Especially when they apparently weren't playing all that well for most of the, the round. I mean, like they were playing okay. They're Tiger They played 22 holes to decide. Yeah, no, it was close, but they weren't tearing up the course. No. I, I'm not sure that we'll see something like this again because I don't know who people would actually pay to see. Like, are you going to pay to see... Who? Who, who? who else on the tour? It's going to be Tiger or somebody. It has to be Tiger Woods. Yeah. It has to be. But who else? Dustin Johnson? Dustin Johnson. you got to be careful not to let Tiger get his butt kicked too. Well, unless you have 
Tiger Woods, unless the only other way maybe you do it is if you have celebrities or you have some sort of tournament. But again, I, I love the idea of the big break thing. If you were to make it a skills competition yep. where you don't have to be walking, you can eliminate all that fairway walking time and have everything yeah. sort of close by. Yep. So it's you drop your shot, now you hit the same shot here. Now, what I want to see is those two guys hitting the same shot. Who does it better? L- have one where you've got you've to angle it around a big pole. Like you've got to s- slice it and see who can land closer to the middle of the fair. Do like, all these kind of things. Or you've to, got a great big hoop on the right side of the fairway, f- 75 yards in the air to a par three, and they've got to cut it into it. or Something. Something. Yeah. Anything, anything that makes it more interesting and that would make them engage more. Unfortunately, I don't think that those two guys were ever going to be chatting it up and needling each other on the course for two reasons. One, because that's not who they are. And two, because we know that a lot of the times the stuff that gets said in dressing rooms or on the golf course or whatever can be a little rough. Well, it can't be said on TV. Well, it can be said on pay-per-view. But these guys have, well, I don't know if Tiger has a reputation anymore. Tiger can probably get away with it. But Phil Mickelson is not going to say something that is going to destroy his reputation as a good well, guy. And you all know, you say they can say it on pay-per-view, but you know that there's going to be the odd scribe watching the pay-per-view and the next day, you know, well, uh, it can, it hear can where be, their comments. It can be foul, but it couldn't be racist. It couldn't be sexist. It yeah. couldn't be homophobic. It couldn't be something like that. And I'm not suggesting they would have. Well, you're taking all the fun stuff out of it. Well, I'm not, I'm not <laughs> sure that's the case. Uh, but you're, you're certainly, you're making it so that I think that miking them up is going to make them hyper aware that you don't want to say anything yeah, that could take, be misconstrued or construed different from how you intend it. Clearly I'm kidding about taking the fun stuff yes. out, but you, but you do take an awful lot of the, the jabs that go on and so on. Um, the most people would find highly entertaining. You're listening to the Scott Radley show podcast on 900 CHML. I think Randy Ambrosi, the commissioner of the league, said this may have been the greatest Grey Cup or something along those lines ever. I, I, maybe the event was fantastic, the game itself. Meh. But, Don, a big part of the problem with the game was the turf was so slippery, was so hard, so frozen, so slippery that guys were having a hard time keeping their footing. Raises the question, as a fan of sports, would you rather have a game played in climate-controlled, perfect indoor conditions where everything can be exactly right so the players can be at their absolute peak efficiency... Or do you like throwing the wrinkle of conditions and uncertainty and unknown and you have to adjust on the fly? And both teams are facing the same thing into the game and see what happens. Well, if, if you have it indoors, both teams are facing the same thing. Um, the problem with doing that with the Canadian Football League is that means it's going to have to be played in the big O in uh, Montreal. It's going to have to be played in Vancouver. And it's going to have to be played in Vancouver. It's going to have to be played in the big O. And well, so you could go in Toronto. You could put it in the could, Rogers Center. You could go back to the Rogers Center to put it there. But Saskatchewan and Edmonton and and uh, all all the teams, essentially, or at least the CFL seem to think the premier teams are um, out west. Yep. But to take that opportunity and the economic boost away from those local cities and their passion, I think it would be cruel and unusual punishment. I mean, I was watching the game yesterday, and – sitting there thinking, now, my bathroom floor is heated in our house. And um, 
I could afford to heat my bathroom floor, which is not, you know, it's not 40 by 40. Why can't the CFL heat their fields? Because it's not just the Grey Cup game. You could get in Edmonton or Calgary for all the playoff games. I mean, we can get snow in October. I mean, why don't they heat the fields? How much can it cost them? If they can't afford to heat the fields, there's something wrong. All you have to do is I, I sold a house one time and, and the guy had heat in his concrete. See, I liked, I liked the fact that it was, I, I don't want them to do that because I liked the fact that, that you had to adjust, that you had to deal with something you weren't expecting to deal with. And some people would say that's horrible. They'd rather see the teams play at their very best, that they want to have the conditions so they can, it's skill against skill. And I, I would, I love when it's the, when it was in Hamilton in 96 and it was the blizzard. When they had, yeah, that's right. Or. When they had the snowblowers out cleaning off the, the, the lines or they, or they had a, a John Deere with a with sweeper on the front so you could see where the 20, 30, 40, 50. Listen, I, I'm not. My response was probably not related to the question, which I'm pretty good at, but I was trying to figure out how do you fix that problem? And I think heating the fields, yeah, which, well, if, if you want to fix it, yes. If you wanted to, if you were, if that was something you wanted to fix. That, that would be in part solving some of the injury problem as well, but Green Bay don't do it. They, you know, they play in the frozen tundra yeah. all the time and guys get hurt all the time and everything else. But I, I don't think there's anything wrong. I mean, I'm not a, I'm not a purist that says it has to be played outside all the time, but I don't mind the wind being a factor. I don't mind the weather being a factor. You have players now who are so good and people may say, well, it's the CFL. Yeah, it's the CFL. They're still pretty good football players. They're very good football. They're exceptional football players. They may not be six foot five and 280 pounds like in the NFL. They're smaller guys, but they're exceptional football players. I would rather, rather than just letting great players do whatever they want, I want to see them challenged. And I know the other team presents a challenge as well, the defense. But this, to me, all these games, the Fog Bowl, the Ice Bowl, the the Snow, the Blizzard games, all these other things, these, to me, are are a lot of fun to see how guys deal with this, especially the non-Canadian guys. The guys who have come up to the CFL from Texas or California or Arizona or Florida or whatever, and they're not used to playing in this. That, I, I love that stuff. I think the commentator saying, the advantage goes to the Canadians because they're used to it. Yeah, I don't know anybody that I played high school football with that went out and said, why don't we go out today? It's snowing like hell. It'll be a lot of fun. So, Well, it's like the outdoor hockey games now. They say kids yeah. grew up playing on the rinks. Well, there's no kid in the NHL right now who ever grew up playing on the pond. This is not a flashback to their childhood. This is not Bobby Orr. Susan and I went to, uh, um, with Susan's sister, uh, um, Patty and Rick, we went to the um, Michigan yep. game when the Leafs played. In Detroit, yeah, at the big big house. It was quite an experience, but holy crap, it was cold. Yeah. And it snowed the whole thing. And we stayed for the whole thing. That's how smart I am. I mean, I sat outside for three hours. It was insane. But I, I'm not going to another one, but it was pretty cool. But I don't know how they played. I mean, I played outside in, on a pond across from my parents' house, and of course, I'm 100 years old. But you know, playing outside in the snow was a lot of fun when you were a kid. I'm not sure at the National Hockey League, but they're they're just marketing it and they're selling it. But what I can tell you is that probably the best marketing league in North America being the NFL. They're not playing any Super Bowl games in Green Bay. 
They played one in New York they recently. Like yeah, they don't, it was that's, outdoors. That's as, far, that's as far north as they're coming. They played though. one in Detroit. Not outside. <laughs> no, they, they do have a dome stadium. Right, but they're, they're not, Buffalo's never had one. No. No, I. Minnesota's not. I mean, they're not, the northern. But that I like, I like that about the CFL. I like that about the CFL over the NFL, that it's not about perfection. That it's, that it is, we are willing to take the chance that you're going to have to deal with something here that you're not expecting. And I don't think, I, I can't remember a Super Bowl game yet where they've had howling wins. I'm sure there's been one. I can't think of one where there's been, where players, there's been a distinct advantage one way or the other, or field goal kickers have had a crosswind going across the field that you've had to navigate. And I, I don't think there's been one in snow. There's been one in rain. The game, the last time that Prince did the halftime show, it was pouring rain. I can't remember where that game was. Miami, I think. Um, was it purple rain? They did play purple rain. But generally, it is perfect conditions. And I, it, that may be okay for the NFL. I, I like the Canadian way of saying, eh, let's, let's throw something in there and see what happens. The Scott Radley Show. Weekday evenings from 6 to 8 on 900 CHML. The Scott Radley Show podcast is available on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, and wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Scott Radley. Thanks again for listening, and do not forget to subscribe to this podcast. It is free. You will never miss an episode. And also, be sure you rate us and review us. Whatever you think of us, we'll take it. Thanks for listening.